Welcome to Boots Off Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business. A show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David and I'll be your host for the show. Welcome everybody. Today I'm talking with Jack Hayes. Jack is a manager with the agribusiness division of Byfield, one of Western Australia's largest accounting firms. Jack has over 10 years experience working within the accounting and taxation industry. He's a farm boy at heart, having grown up on the family farm in Badjingara. He has an established and long-standing passion for the ag industry. We're talking today about one of the more complex topics to tackle within the farm family business, succession, particularly from the younger generation's point of view, which is often missed in this discussion. Throughout this discussion, Jack will be giving us advice on how to open up lines of communication to the incoming generation and how to start the planning process of succession as early as possible for a successful transition. This is not a new subject, but it's very hard to get right. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jack and I learned a lot. I hope you learn as much as I did. Now over to Jack. Good on, Jack. How you doing? Yeah, Dad. Going well. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. No worries, mate. So, just for a bit of context, Jack. You know, I know you're a senior manager at a large accounting firm now, but you're a farm boy. So, give us your background, mate. So, where are you from? Yeah, sure. So, look, I grew up in uh, in a town called Badgingara, which is uh, about 250 k's north of Perth, uh, basically bang in the middle between uh, between Perth and and Geraldton. So yeah, I guess going back a step, my my grandparents were originally from Victoria. Granddad was a was a farm contractor over there. Uh, always, he really just wanted to go farming himself. And uh, yeah, pretty pretty common sort of scenario. In the late sixties, uh, he got wind of uh, of some cheap land uh, going over here in WA, which was uh, conditional purchase land. So he basically packed up the family in a in a truck and everything they had and drive over here and 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 basically granddad uh with my dad paul and and uncle dave cleared the farm so yeah family's still farming there today myself i yeah obviously went down the uh down the accounting path <laughs> did, yeah, they're not going to hold it against you, mate, you know? <laughs> did, yeah did, pretty pretty common as well didn't quite know what i wanted to do so uh Thought I'd uh, do a commerce degree, and uh, yeah, eventually sort of ended up at uh, at Byfields. I was at a at a firm previous to that in doing all sorts of uh, of accounting and tax, and moved over to Byfields, where I'm I'm now just specialising purely in uh, in farming, uh, which is uh, what I'm all about, David. Yeah, definitely, mate. So your story of your grandparents is, um, but I, I assume it's the rest of Australia. But in Western Australia, it's a very common story. I think in the farming district where I grew up, every second person from, from somewhere from New South Wales or Victoria um, who moved across in a truck, similar to your grandparents. I remember um, Dad's best mate. He bought land for ten cents an acre out at um, Holt Rock, and I can you imagine buying land at, at, out there for ten cents an acre now? You know? You're not <laughs> right. Yeah, it's crazy to think, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it was the same with um, yeah around Badgie. It was. Uh, I guess it, ten times that, but it's still only a dollar an acre, <laughs> which is uh, mind blowing now, isn't it? Where uh, where land prices are going at the moment? 
So today we're talking about a big topic, succession, right? It's 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 a it's a big topic in in well in all all family business, but in our case we're talking farm family business. It's one of those topics that's really hard to to nail down uh, or you know jobs, um, but it's one of those ones we you just have to get right, isn't it? Like you you know it's so so important. And as businesses we tend to put it on the oh we'll do that next year when we get around to it type discussion. So. And today in particular, Jack, because you're a younger generation than me, I can say that I can't don't even look as young as you, even though you've got a great beard. <laughs> Give a perspective because we've got a new generation coming back to the farm and they have different backgrounds, different expectations, a whole lot of stuff. So really let's start. All I want to ask you is, so tell me about the things that have changed. The current generation are coming back and who are they and what are they thinking, expecting? So, you know, how's it changing? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, look, it's, I mean, it's such a, such a big, uh, big topic, isn't it? But yeah, look, I guess uh, focusing on the, on the younger generation, looking back historically, I, I guess, for example, when my, uh, when my dad went back to the farm, he, he sort of finished, finished year 10 and then went straight back. Same with my uncle. And I mean, that's, that was quite common for for a long time, um, as you'd know. Basically, finish year ten or finish year twelve, and then you then you're straight back on the farm. These days, we're seeing a lot more that uh, that the children are finishing high school and then either going away to uni and and maybe just maybe studying a business degree or an ag science degree or or even you know doing a trade or or, or working on a neighbour's farm. So. That's definitely been a big, uh, big shift that we've seen. I mean, this has been been building for some time. I guess the main reason that that they're doing that is is firstly to have a to have a backup plan if if things don't work out on the farm uh, for whatever reason. Secondly, it's just a chance to go away and and learn some life skills and and learn some life have some experiences which they can they can bring back onto the farm. Generally, found this has been quite positive for for farming businesses um, across the board I mean that, as an example David a client of mine daughter uh, was an ex-agronomist so yes studied ag science and yeah did agronomy for a few years and uh, I'm saying that's a that's a fairly common thing I think mean, I, I was just down at Koji a couple of months ago and um, every daughter seems to be becoming the lead agronomist in town and then going farming so. exactly exactly yeah i mean and that's it sort of going out getting that experience working with all the other farmers um this particular situation the son's also done a, a business degree so those two have come back on the farm i mean this was already you know a, a solid operation but but since then um this business is just outperforming any others and i mean even in the district it's it's chalk and cheese compared to compared to other operations and um yeah, look, it's that's that's just worked out so well for that particular operation. I want to I want to drill down on that one a bit, uh, Jack. So this is an interesting thing, isn't it? So let's say I'm the farmer. So I'll tell you what, I could be this guy, right? So I, my eldest son's 21, and if I was still farming, he might be. He's off doing a commerce degree at UW, same, and he might come home and go, okay, I want to come home farming. Right, but his and if he goes and works in business or in banking or in agronomy or any of those things, he's going to come back like many of your clients' children with a just huge amount of experience, expectation, having worked on different managers, those sorts of things. Yeah, so 
And I never, and let's, you know, in this case, there's quite common. My generation wouldn't have done that. So their expectations of what they want to do coming home to the farm are going to be very different to maybe what mine was when I went home to the farm, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. No, look, it's, uh, I mean, it's, you can definitely look at it as a positive that they're bringing back all this knowledge that they've learnt from whatever they've done in that in that period between finishing school and, and coming back. But yeah, look, it can also cause some cause some challenges because, you know, they they're coming back with completely different experiences to maybe what their parents has so have had. So it's I guess about trying to trying to work with those relationships and uh, you know, take the best out of out of those situations that you can um, going forward because yeah, there's certainly challenges that come from it too. Not just to say that that you have to sort of go and, and spend a bit of time post uh, post school before you come back on the farm. It's um, yeah, there's certainly certainly not always the case, but definitely just a trend that we're seeing seeing at the moment. Yeah, and I think I, I look, I think it can be a double edged sword, mainly around expectations. But I agree with you, Jack. Look, I mean, you and I go to a lot of different rural events where we see each other, but some of the ones that you come across, like that client of yours, I met a one in New South Wales, and he. He was exactly the story you're talking about. He went and worked for one of the large um, banks and became an agribusiness manager and made a lot of experience and contact through that. So when he went home, he completely revolutionised the, the way the farm business works. So they are like a small operation in northern New South Wales, and now they're, I think they've gone from about you know thousand acres to twenty thousand acres, completely different structure, and he just had a different view to investment, into business structures, into which was um, really, and he gained that while working, you know, as an advisor in the banking industry, you know. So it was a great story for that family business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, um, I mean, it's, it's probably an area when uh, when the younger generation comes back, generally quite focused on, I guess, getting up to speed with the, the actual farming side of it, I guess, you know, um, the cropping, spraying, livestock management, mechanical side of it, all, all of that, which which is obviously really important. But I, I generally find there seems to be less focus on that financial side of it, which, um, I mean, that scenario you're talking about there where he, he's coming back with the, uh, with the banking background, bring it, being able to bring that into a, into a farming business, I think just, just puts you a step ahead because the, uh, the financial side of it is, is just as important as, uh, as putting a crop in. In my opinion, I, I really, uh, I, again, uh, those businesses that have had the younger generation have had that experience, or, or even the older generation, it's 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 really is just chalk and cheese. Yeah, you see it. We see it in our mutual clients. You know, the ones who've got the, you know, that whole financial management stuff, you know, under control are just another level, aren't they? Like it's just, you know. It really is, yeah. Look, it's about just knowing your, uh, I mean, which which you learn over time, but learning uh, your profit drivers for your business, um, you know, breaking everything down per hectare and, and looking at your profit per hectare and cost per hectare. It's, yeah, the businesses that are doing that that are that are uh, really uh, in that top, you know, percentile. Yeah, it's leveraging that knowledge. So, you know, a bit like you're that age, but I remember being the same age. You come home and you, you know, I think the, be- the, the only tragedy of getting older is you work out that you feel like you know less every year. Like when you're young and you first go home, you think you've got the whole thing nailed. You know, like uh, is harnessing that energy though. That, that, that's a great energy, yeah. And, and you know, 
maybe you're, what you're saying is that the clients need to, you know, yes, they have a lot to learn, but they've also got a lot to give, yeah? Absolutely. Yep, yep, definitely. And, and yeah, I guess it comes back to trying to, and I guess that's a lot of what we're trying to do is uh, is sort of manage or, or help with um, those relationships of, you know, the, the uh, I guess the young, the older generation firstly sort of acknowledging that, that it is a big a big moment for for the younger generation to be coming back um, back on the farm, um, you know they might they might have been working away on the mines and and earning uh, you know really big uh, big money and big share bonuses and whatnot, and, and and they're making that big move back to the farm, which is it definitely is a significant moment. But but also the younger generation need to acknowledge that it's it's a big moment for the older generation too. So yeah, I think that's the, yeah. the first big step there. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. You know, we've got two generations here with different expectations. You know, like um, um, like you know, I, when I left, I left um, uh, university, and went back to the farm. I think we were at eighteen percent interest rate. You know, debt was expensive. You know. So everything was tight and risk averse and, you know, and there was a bunch of farmers going to the wall because of it. So the attitudes of a generation are really dependent on the climate that you, that you essentially come into, aren't you? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that, and that's, I mean, that's going to be the, that's the exact problem problem now, I guess. Younger generation, are, you know, you're looking at interest rates with a, possibly with a one in front, but likely sub three whereas the the folks have had 18 percent so the younger generation are keen to you know expand grow the business and whatnot but i guess they also need to see it from the older generation's point of view that they've they've been through 18 percent interest rates you know they've been through some horrific years so that that could be why they're a bit more conservative so i guess it's about sort of making compromises on both sides and, and and trying to understand each other and i mean the key to that really is just just having honest uh, communication, and I guess go, going back a step, when the when the uh, younger generation first comes back, it's it's really about just setting some ground rules uh, nice and early, and which which you need to have a conversation about. You know, this, this is a perfect point. So I was talking to another um, advisor uh, um, a couple of months ago, and and what she's doing a lot more of is setting up a lot more formal agreements with young people coming home a lot like let's say they've come from a mine or a bank and they're used to that or let's say you went from accounting back farming yeah, right? it's the same stuff you're used to employment contracts with a job description and a set of expectations a salary so you know how much you can control your own income etc so there's a lot of things that you are now used to and maybe expect so um, this advisor was setting up a lot of farms under that way. So every family member was on a salary. I mean, they were on a good salary, but they were on a salary. They bought all their own houses, cars, utes, etc., And they were set up very much like employees. So they sort of had these two relationships. They had a family relationship, and then they had an employer-employee or whatever relationship. Are you seeing much of that at the moment? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's obviously a case by case basis, but that's uh, that's generally uh, generally what I'd recommend uh, when the younger generation first comes back. They're basically just on a just on a wage. They're they're an employee like any other employees for a period of time. As you as you said, there they've they've got a uh, employment contract in place. Um, ideally, having actual annual employee or or more often reviews and uh yeah i guess that's again comes back to setting that expectation nice and early 
And, and and look, it could be seen as a – I see it as a positive. I know the ag industry in the last sort of few years has definitely lifted their game a great deal with, uh, you know, the HR side of things and whatnot. Yeah, come a huge, huge way. Um, but I think this is, you know, just another another positive we can take from it is it, it can sort of lift it up even further and, and try and really formalise that agreement early on until until there's been you know a, a solid commitment to the farm and from there i mean there can be discussions about how things are going to going to look out in the in the future just generally speaking i mean no, no promises but just having having those discussions where you're looking longer term but yeah look i, I definitely think early on you need to need to formalize that arrangement yeah and i think um, it might be more challenging for the existing generation than it is for the one coming in because, like you said, if they've actually spent maybe a decade working outside the farm, they're used to job descriptions and, you know, biannual reviews and all those sorts of uh, OH&S, and so they're a lot more comfortable with it than maybe their parents are. It draws beautiful lines in the sand. It sounds impersonal, but somehow it, it allows families to be more personal because there's sort of like these business lines that don't cross into personal ones, it, you know? Like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Sort of you're keeping the two the two things separate um, in a way, which which is uh, which is crucial really when you're running a. I mean, you're looking at farm businesses now are you know multi million dollar operations. Um, they're huge, huge businesses. And I guess some of the issue is that you're living there. You're on the farm all the time. Yeah. So, so I think if you if you can have that separation with the employee to the actual family, just even if it's only, you know, for an hour or, or so as you're doing that employee review, I think that's really positive. And, and as you said, that's, that's something that the younger generation can, can bring back to the farm because they're paying through, you know, plenty of job interviews and employee reviews and what have you. And the other thing is, you mentioned before expectations, Jay. Great word, right? So when you're coming home, what what do the parents expect of me? You know, like, you know, my, my expectation is that I'm going to, you know, own most of the district and be this big farmer and blah, 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 and I'm going to be running the joint a year. <laughs> and mum and dad probably have a different set, yeah? And they want to... Because you're their superannuation in a lot of cases, aren't you? Like you're 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 it. So they're banking the future of their life maybe on you. Absolutely. So, so know that that's you. You know that's a big. You've got to carry that burden in a way, right? So so how how are you talking to your clients about you know setting up expectations? Like you know, twenty eight, come home, and this is what I expect of you, performance wise, learning wise, those sorts of. Yeah, yeah. No, look, it's that's the that's the big challenge, really. Um, and and quite often, as you're getting out there, that that expectation, uh, the gap between expectation and reality is often um, quite large. And um, I, I guess the the goal there really is to try and narrow that gap down as much as you can. Which mm. which the only way to do that is is to yeah, again have constant communication, have those discussions early. What are, what's the older generation expecting? What are the younger generation expecting? And then from there, you can kind of try and close that gap a little bit. That's that's really the only way to to get around the issue. I, I guess it it is a little bit easier if it, if it's just the just the son or daughter coming back, but it can be a bit more complicated if they're you know coming back with uh, with a partner and and maybe young children. That's where it starts getting a bit more bit more complicated. They're obviously 
at that point starting to think further out about you know education costs and they've got their own family so that's where it does get a bit more complicated and because it's so complex is just exactly why you need to get onto it as early as possible keep having those regular conversations it's the only way to get on top of it so there's really two things here isn't it jack so often we've traditionally seen succession dealt with in a very um legal accounting sort of a way right so who gets what how's it split up blah 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 but like what we're hearing today, like it, it's it's so personal. So most of the hard work is relationship based. It's having conversations. There was a, a, a farmer who became a succession guy um, down in the Great Southern, and one of his things was really interesting. He goes, "The first thing I ask does anyone actually want to go farming?" Because often they put, all these um, succession plans are put in place, and no one, everyone's too scared to go. I actually don't want to be a farmer, and so they go all go through the motions. <laughs> And then nobody actually wants it. So it's personal, but at the same time, there's these, you, you're mentioning, like there's these other hard lines which make it also maybe easier to be personable, like knowing the numbers, knowing your expectations, having a salary, you know, having some clear lines in the thing, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, you're spot on the money there that it's, yeah, the, I mean, the, the numbers and, and that side of it um, is obviously important, but that's, that's probably, uh, you know, that's a long way down the line, really, from uh, that you've got to get to from those initial discussions, which is which is really just those direct sort of questions, you know. I mean, as we said earlier, what's what's your expectations? What what do you want to happen with the farm? I mean, as you said, do, do you actually want to come back on the farm? Um, just those blunt questions to actually actually see what page everyone is on is is the first step before you even start looking at. Uh, at numbers and and how you're going to fund the the parents' retirement or or whatever, you can't get to that point until you've addressed all these other issues. And you let those sort of build for too long, and you know more angst comes with it, and it just gets more and more complicated. And that can you know that can actually stagnate the succession planning process even more if if you let it get to that point. So yeah, getting onto it early, and uh, yeah, you're dead right that it's it's more about the personal side than the numbers. Yeah, the other thing is I think a lot of, and we're seeing more, you'd see a lot more of it with clients, but this idea that the farm is a pretty chunky asset these days. Most people's farm businesses, we've seen values go to the roof. But their ability to leverage the other members of family who don't want to farm into businesses that they might want to start. So let's say um, a son comes home and wants to start up, I don't know, a manufacturing business. Right now, that's going to be tough for him or her to do, yeah. But you've got uh, maybe a ten, fifteen million dollar asset that he might be able to borrow against to start up that business, you know. So the the ability for farms to facilitate succession beyond farming into other businesses or other ventures is also, I think, underestimated by most people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No. Look, I'd uh, I'd agree there, David. It's. I mean, as an industry, I think it's probably one of the biggest challenges we're facing at the moment. I mean, even though the, the increase in land values is is obviously a, a positive thing, it, it does also bring bring challenges with it. I mean, here in WA, we've, we've seen, you know, growth of 20 30% um, last couple of years, which is, you know, huge. It's, it's outperforming any other industry. And that, that's just looking at your, at your land values. So as that value increases higher and higher, it... Uh, it obviously makes that that gap. If you've got 
children coming back to the farm and off-farm children, um, that gap is just growing more and more. So, I mean, I, I generally would, I mean, where possible, try and try and encourage to build those off-farm assets uh, where you can. But obviously, that's that's dependent on the the financial position of the farm. But I mean, that it comes back to why we want to be getting onto these these discussions early because. If you do have that off-farm child that's not going to be coming back on the farm, do need to start thinking about looking after them longer term. Generally, the case is that we we need to need to accept that it's probably not going to be equal for that on-farm child and and the off-farm child, unfortunately. But it's that's why we need to have those conversations early, find out their expectations, because as you said, if we've got you know. 10, 15 million upwards of, uh, of farming assets, it's uh, near impossible to build that up uh, off farm. But, um, I mean, that's why the, the communication is important and you do need to also communicate that even though the the child on farm might be receiving a, a very large pool of assets, they've potentially been working for a long period of time and been on quite a nominal wage um you know it might only be 50 60 grand a year when they're obviously doing doing massive hours and heavily involved in the business so all of these things need to be communicated but look it's certainly a, a big uh, big challenge and there's there's no no silver bullet for this one i mean certainly where yeah. possible I, I find it's it's better off to try and keep the the farming assets separate to your to your off-farm assets yeah, definitely. It's just interesting, isn't it? Like it's a big challenge and people are experimenting with different ways of doing it. And I want to go back to one thing we discussed about really early on in our chat. When it was about money, right? So we often go home to the farm and we think about whatever we're into, livestock, machinery particularly, buying out half the district. But knowing that maybe your mother and father own the debt on all that and you're not looking at the books every day and they're sweating bullets. Uh so you're talking before about owning the money, or owning the getting in touch with the finances early. So what are you advising? What are you and, and Byfield advising around that? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, look, it's 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 one that takes so long to to uh, to get your head around um, the the financial side of the uh, of, of a business. And I mean, talking here about uh, about a farming business again, which is which is such a such a generally a massive operation these days. So. I would firstly be be quite honest and open about those figures, um, and getting them along to those to those meetings. I think is the first the first uh, step there. So get them along to the accountant, as I said earlier, the accountant. When you're doing the budget, whoever you're doing that with, the consultant or whoever else, you know, the bank manager. Get them along to those meetings, um, and, and I'd be really encouraging the children to to ask questions, ask as many questions as you can. Um, to try and make sure you actually understand that. And the more and more you, you're uh, you're able to uh, see those things firsthand. I mean, even if you're just just observing, the more and more you're able to do that, the quicker you'll become, you know, financially literate. So it's um, it's just so so crucial to get onto it nice and early. So I mean, that would be the be the first step is just to get along to all of those all of those meetings. And there's probably um, I guess a point in time where where they can look at you know taking over the over the books, David. You know, start working with Mum on the Agrimaster file for a, for a period of time, yeah. and, and then take it over themselves. Um, whether that's son or daughter, it, it's um, it's crucial that they uh, 
learn that side of the business. I mean, your AgriMasters budget roadshows and webinars that you guys hold, I mean, how many sort of younger of the younger generation are you getting along there? It's, um, I mean, probably probably not enough, maybe, in, in my no, opinion. Look, we, we tend to get them much later. So what, so, and this is what we're trying to encourage, like get in really early, right? So what happens is we get people coming in maybe in their early 30s and they've already been there for a while and they've suddenly been dumped, you know, and they've got to go and do a budget review for, you know, $5 million and, you know, improve the finances and suddenly they're going, God help, you know. Uh, and and what we would, like you, Jack, we would strongly encourage, get in really early. So Because it is nervous. We know that the current generation, you know, you can remember this is their, their life. They're, you are their super. You're everything, right? So handing over the books is, they're scared, yeah? And it's often forgotten in succession that this is, I know it's a little bit bookkeeping, but... At the end of the day, it's so important because there's so much trust involved there. Yeah. So get in early, get to know it, ask the questions. I know you probably don't think you're going to like it, but most a lot of people just really get into it. More they, the more they get into it, the better they love it. So I'm like you, get in really early, get in in your twenties, when you become high, but get in early. Yeah, yeah, and and the. Yeah, I mean that's obviously the big risk is that you come back, um, you know, and and don't take over the books until later in life so you're just not exposed to that and um, it can get so difficult to uh to pick it up i think um again just looking at the at the better performing businesses it's really those and and focusing on the younger generation it's those that have been you know doing the books and i mean as you were sort of getting out there um actually getting excited about um you know running a new budget okay the uh canola prices have just gone up 100 bucks a ton Let's go and uh, rerun a budget and see how it's looking. It's it's um, you know those guys that are performing better than anyone else. And oh, look, like I've said a few times, it's it's as important as as the rest of the farming operation is. Oh, look at the end of the day, Jack. Like we always say, doesn't matter what you do on the farm. Ultimately, it's measured in dollars, right? So every decision you make ends up being a dollar figure. So this is where the rubber hits the road. And some of the ones is what we're encouraging clients to do who want to take over the books is actually do it exactly the way you said, run their own budget. Because often we go back as young people to a farm and go, I think we should do X, right? Buy all this, do this, swap it all over to 80% crop, do it. And it's just a big thought bubble, yeah? Okay, so what I would strongly encourage the younger generation to do, learn how to do a good uh, cash flow model, model it out, Take that to your parents and go, this is how it works financially, right? This is where the risk is. This is how much money we need to borrow. This is how much it's going to cost us. So essentially, don't give them an idea. Give them a model that works and, you know, how to work the model. And then if I was a parent, I'm going to look at that and go, okay, you got it, right? You know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good one. I mean, if you're, if you're using a, an example of, uh, of changing over machinery, if you can actually run the budget or, or at least, you know, do up a show the costs of, of running these old machines versus buying a new machine um, and obviously lowering the repair costs, factoring in all your interest and, and whatnot that comes along with that, you're dead right. If And when you actually grasp that um, and you're able to go and bring it to your parents, that's that's the right way to do it rather than just saying, you know, I want the, the new 
flash tractor. It's um, it's, it's got to work from a from a financial point of view. Firstly, um, and until you've run those numbers, you, you just don't know. Because that's exactly what the current generation are thinking. They're going, "Oh God, how much is this going to cost? Where's the risk? You know, what if we didn't do this? What if we didn't do that?" And you can do, you know, a a model where you can run what if analysis, like you said, in a budget. It costs nothing. You know, you can explore all the risk and the profit and everything without actually having to put one thing in the ground or buy one bit of kit. You know, like it's a good place for young people to start. It's, it, I always think it's a bit like a sim. People always about farming sims. It's a little simulator, yeah? Absolutely. Uh, um, and it also shows that the current generation says you're ready to run the business. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's exactly it. it um, and that, that comes back to, you know, our earlier discussions about um yeah using all of these life skills um if if they're coming back from you know having a business background that they've had for a few years um they can go and bring that into the business and uh, with a whole different perspective which is you know it's an, it's an exciting time for the business there's no doubt about that but, yeah definitely and, and it doesn't matter what you come back with you might come back with amazing agronomy skills amazing financial banking skills whatever you just got to fill in the gap so if you come back with amazing agronomy skills you're going to have to work a bit harder on your financial skills, aren't you? And then vice versa, you know? Exactly. I mean, a, a lot of, I guess I'm uh, I'm saying with um, probably with my, my friend group um, that a lot of uh, a lot of my my friends uh, were, were diesel mechanics by trade when they when they finished school. So you know they're they're fully up to speed on on that side of it, which is just a huge thing to bring back to the to the right. farming operation. So they're, they're already up to speed on that. If they can go and get up to speed on the financial side of it, then, uh, you know, the world's your oyster, really. Yeah, and, and it, they're going to want a big workshop, aren't they, <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> Probably, uh, maybe even keep the shed a bit tidier than uh, some of the ones that I've seen, uh, possibly. Uh, I, think it's, it's an, it's an, I think there's a universal law with workshops. You go through a binge tidier. And a week later, it just looks like a cyclone's been through it. Like, they just have this inertia associated with <laughs> being untidy, don't You're they? not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> hey, um, we, I, I just had a thought about, we talked about before about that certainty around salaries, et cetera, uh, back, back further. I keep on jumping back to further conversation. And you mentioned partners. Big deal, right? So having certainty, you think... Like, I know when I'm a son, when I first went home to the farm, Jack, it was like, yeah, it's all good. I was just happy to be there, yeah? And I didn't get paid much. I didn't really care. You know, I was just happy doing what I was doing. But um, I didn't have a partner at the time. But if I had a partner and children, um, I know she would have been pretty worried about the fact that I didn't know anything and there was no forward certainty. (laughs) Creating certainty, maybe if your son or daughter don't want it, but their partner might really need it. Yeah. Well, we'll need it. Yeah. 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 No, that's the that's a, a really really tough one, but um, yeah, and that's that's why it comes back to to communicating. You know, as an example, they they might only be on on a wage of uh, the, the son or daughter that's come back might only be on say sixty thousand a year. Uh, just plucked a number there, but um, on top of that, I guess that you know they've they've got accommodation, they've got all of their car running costs, um, whatever else, that's that's all getting paid by the farm. So, I mean, that figure could quite easily be, you know, a 90 grand salary or or, um, or thereabouts once you factor all of these other things in. So I guess it's about communicating that firstly, but but also communicating, you know, the, 
I guess the the sweat equity that that they're building up over time, mm. that they are actually slowly building some equity up in the business, and and that's a tough one to to discuss because you you obviously don't want to be promising anything, but you can talk generally about your plans at the time, and it, it's really important to make sure all of those discussions are, are well documented. So you've, you've got a record of of what was said. Then those, uh, you know, the minutes from the meeting, it might sound old school, but those minutes from the meeting are, are circulated around for everyone to have a look at and, and make changes if they if they feel there needs to be changes made. So that's, that's yeah, look, I know I've used the word a lot, but communication, that's that's how you get around that issue. Um, it's, it's the only way to deal with it. Yeah, I, I used to be part of an organisation with my wife and I, called Family Business Australia, and one of the things they actually encouraged was family charters. And most of the members developed these family charters. And they were essentially, this is our family's rules of engagement. This is how we work together, how we do things, um, how the business works. And it was just an interest. It was a, you know, it was hard, you know, to go, you to build something like that. But like you said, and then they have formal minutes and formal meetings. And it just created certainty. We're in an area that's just so many areas of grey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, look, it's it's not easy. A lot of these conversations, they're they're not easy ones to have. But as we were saying earlier, with the when the employees on the on the wage scenario, I mean, it, it's about yeah formalising those discussions, and then the same flows on to when you're starting to talk about your succession planning more broadly. Formalise those discussions and let everyone be involved in the conversation. So what we're getting to here, Jack, is um, obviously. The normal stuff that's been discussed to death in succession around accounting and legals and everything, right? But most of the hard work is in communication, 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 and and documenting that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, if we look at whoever's doing your your succession planning um, these days, it's it's more about helping to to manage those relationships uh, than than the numbers. So. That's especially early on. That's the uh, that's the most important part. Um, the rest of it will come later on. You can start talking about numbers later on, but I mean the, the first step: get the expectations from everyone, and then you can you can slowly go from there. You, you, you can't move on until you've uh, until you've addressed those those bigger issues. So look, it's really um, I guess you know our, our role in this uh, this scenario is really just almost acting as a you know a a mediator in the situation and, and just having a, a discussion with everyone and, and letting everyone, giving everyone the, their chance to, to speak and, and everyone else to hear them out. That's uh, that's more where where things are at these days than, uh, than back in the day of, uh, yep, sure enough, oldest son's come back with uh, with daughter and with, um, sorry, with wife and um, uh, and signed the farm over. It's, I mean, those those days are gone. It's, um, it's so much more complex these days. And not only that, you mentioned really early on in our discussion, Jack, that the your uh, daughter and um, son-in-law or son and daughter-in-law come home, and they're usually really well educated these days, have a ton of experience. You know, they're bringing a lot to the business. They're, it's almost like you're hiring in some specialist people who've come into your business, and so it's a, it's a whole different conversation to the one that say my generation or previous generations would have had. Yeah, and understand and respect those skills. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that's that's the exact uh, point. I guess I'd like to like to get across um, that. Yeah, from both sides, just need to appreciate. I mean, as you said, they're 
son or daughter and, and partner coming back, as you said, these days, if they've been away at, um, you know, at school, they're, they're highly educated, whether they go into the local school, whatever, they're, they're highly educated these days. They can do, they've got all sorts of resources online that they can uh, obtain more information. I mean, tw- uh, Twitter, Twitter's been a, a big one here in um Oh, yeah. WA hasn't it with um you know especially yeah. in the ag industry you just see all of these young farmers on there sharing ideas so I mean all of these things coming together just really shows how much that younger generation can bring back so it's um yeah it's about appreciating what they are bringing back but but also they do need to be harnessed at times because um we've, we've all been young at times and uh and, and uh, getting a, a bit too excited. So it's it's about finding that that compromise between the between the two generations. Yeah, that beautiful mix of experience um, and 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 intelligence with enthusiasm. You know, like and if you can harness that right, like you said to some of your clients, you know, sky's the limit, really, isn't it? You harness that energy right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. No, spot on. Yeah. Um, it just uh, yeah, there, there's just so many opportunities there. Actually, another another scenario that's just popped in mind just to go down a different uh, different path. So central wheat belt farmer, yeah, so the son uh, went away uh, and did a trade, I think diesel mechanic from memory, uh, this is going back a, a few years, um, did his trade, came back to the farm. They were real keen to expand. So he, he was obviously eager to expand, but the rest of the family was as well. But just financially, they weren't in the, in the position to do so. So they ended up making the decision that he'd go and work. Um, they they decided as a family that they could buy some more affordable land um, out out further east. So he ended up actually going out east and, and working for a for a big farmer out there for a couple of years, and you know getting the lay of the land. You know, he's getting all sorts of experience from um, from this uh, this good operator out there. You know, learning how they do things out there. You know, cropping practices and whatever else but also um learning the district um so from there they were actually able to they weren't able to buy it straight away but they were able to lease a bit of land for a couple of years and then from there buy so i mean it, it just shows and the, and the sun sort of has mainly come up with this idea um as a discussion and that's really just come from um you know his experiences that he's had over that period between high school well, probably even earlier but um, to that period that he does get back, and you know what he's brought to that operation now is um, you can't you can't put a dollar figure on it. It's um, oh look, I love that the idea, the the insight to say, how about I just go and work with someone? Because we forget that when we move to a whole different rainfall zone, soil type district, that it's completely different to the farming that you do wherever you are. And I love that idea of going and working in the district and working out how to farm that land before you invest. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I mean, and look, it'd take a lot of courage, wouldn't it, when, when you've got this farm there that you, you could be working on to say, no, look, the right thing to do longer term is, is for me to go out there and do it. So, no, look, it's, yeah. I mean, a credit to, the, I mean, it's not something that I've seen happen, uh, yeah, too often. But, look, it's, I guess the takeaway there is that you do need to consider all options. And, uh, and and if the younger generation is coming back with an idea, then uh, you know hear them out basically. Brilliant! I think that's a good place to um, put a pin in it, mate. So actually, what I actually want to know from you, though, mate, is so uh, Badgie boy, 
accountant. So what do you do when you're not accounting and not hanging out with all your mates in ag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, look, I guess um, I guess being a, being a country uh, country kid, um, for me, it's – I mean, these days I'm in the office quite a bit. I'm, I'm on the road occasionally getting out to farms as often as I can, but but in the in the office quite a bit these days. So, look, for me – when I'm when I'm not in the office, it's about just getting outdoors and pool driving and fishing and um, you know have a bit of a hit of golf here and there and look not doing any of those things very well, but, uh, but <laughs> all a bit of fun. No, look, it's it's all just about getting out where I can and um, you know trying to trying to get out of Perth where possible and uh, yeah check out some new places. So what's your um, your guilty city boy habit, mate? So I think the- um, I think golf would be the be the one there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry about being bad at golf, mate. I'm awful at golf, and I reckon I get better value than my mates because I get a lot more hits at the ball. Than that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. Now, Byfield, oh, most people know Byfield. I mean, we can Google you, but tell us. Um, you want to get hold of you, Jack, um, either online or on socials or Byfields in particular. How do we get hold of you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, on our website would be the, be the best place to go. Um, you know, my contact details will be there, email address, phone number. Yeah, also feel free to yeah, give me a follow on uh, on Twitter as well. That's, uh, yeah, where most of the communication happens these days. So I, I just love the, the idea of, of farmers sharing information with all their, uh, oh. you know, it's, it's the only industry where where, where that happens, um, where, where they, you know, they're asking, I've got this problem with the, with the tractor, has anyone come across it? And, you know, there's 10 people jumping on there, Showing them how to fix it with the with the software, it's um, yeah, you know, it's such a such a credit to the uh, to the industry. It's probably one of the great strengths of the industry. I think one of the great weaknesses, and we talked about that, is they got to talk business a bit more. But one of the great strengths is they talk shop like like enthusiasts, right? And they're happy to share. And, and I think you're right. So you and I now work in the city, but and it, you don't see that much. But in 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 farming. Everyone shares everything, and social media, particularly Twitter, has just amplified that. You know, like you can get anyone to help you with anything, um, and not only just Australia, but globally too. You know, it's it's pretty amazing that that that, that willingness to share in ag is brilliant. So, thank you very much for your time, mate. Time today, um, everybody out there. I hope you got a lot of um, value from Jack's insights and wisdoms today, and um, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Jack. No, thanks, David. Really good to have a chat. Cheers. As always, if you'd like to know more about AgriMaster farm business management software and services, you can find us at www.agrimaster.com.au or find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you like this episode, please share it on social media or directly with a friend and let's make farm business great together.